0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. Russell Wilson, he caused a stir in the media this week when he went on the Dan Patrick show and was asked about being sacked nearly 400 times in his career. And this interview was coming after a tweet from Jason LaConfora saying that Russell Wilson's camp has grown increasingly frustrated by the Seahawks' inability to protect the eight-time Pro Bowler So if you're coming to the show looking for more talk about the Dan Patrick show, I am going to refer you to the latest episode of the Seahawkers podcast that I did. We talk about that interview. We talk about the Brandon Marshall comments and we talk about Jason Lockenfora's tweet. So check that out. The latest episode, Seahawkerspodcast.com or just search for Seahawkers podcast, wherever you get your podcasts at. Instead of talking that on the Field Goals podcast, I am going to be taking a cue from that interview and talk offensive line today. If you've been a fan of the Seahawks for any amount of time, really, I'm sure you've complained about the offensive line, too. So the fact that Wilson wants improvement on the offensive line should not be surprising. And any help should be welcomed. So that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. And joining me to do it is EJ Snyder. He's the co-creator of Bootleg Football, a senior draft analyst at Windy City Gridiron, part of the SB Nation Network and he's also the co-host of Bears Over Beers. EJ, we talked draft last season. I am looking forward to doing it again this offseason. Welcome back.
1: Thank you for having me. I look forward to this time of year, every year, but getting to talk to you is fantastic. We always have a great time doing this. We had a great time on the draft last year, and it just kind of, stirs the fire a little bit. Uh, it's fun for me to think about the focus for other teams, too. So it'll be a, it'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to it.
0: I understand that when you're a Bears fan, it, it may be exciting to, to look away from your own team now and then. So, yeah, that makes absolute sense.
1: No, absolutely. It is nice to get a little bit of relief from uh, the things that go on in the Windy City. But um, being a Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. native, uh, always have an eye on the Hawks and thinking about what they need to do especially with the changes that they've got going on this year is just, it's fascinating mentally. So yeah, I'm absolutely ready to dig in.
0: Now with the senior bowl, a couple of weeks behind us, a little bit longer, if you count the look back at the one-on-ones, I'm kind of curious because normally you're down in mobile for the senior bowl. How did you approach this differently now uh, being able to to look at some of these picks and really get a similar type of evaluation that maybe you wouldn't have being there on the ground?
1: Yeah, you don't get as much, and absolutely missed it. So last year was my first year live at the Senior Bowl, and it was fantastic. One of the best experiences I've ever had around the draft, around football. You can get to certainly meet the tribe. All the people that are there are very much there for the same thing, and that's amazing. But having to do it remotely just because of the COVID situation, definitely felt handicapped a little bit, watched as much live practice footage as we could it was broadcast uh, in various states in various days definitely watched the wrap-up shows and then uh, brett coleman and i did wrap-up shows each day after practice we live streamed uh and talked to fans and, and talked about what we saw during the day but we also got a lot of feedback from our friends and colleagues that did travel to mobile this year they were able to send us uh the stuff that press gets in terms of rosters and some film clips, and of course, just combing Twitter like everybody else with a big focus on uh, what happened during the day, who won their matchups, who's having a good day, who maybe got tweaked or injured, all that stuff. So it was was basically a lot of collating from a lot of different sources and not quite the same thing as being there. There There's a little bit of a delay, but I felt like Jim Nagy and his staff did a really good job knowing that about half the media that normally covers the Senior Bowl was not going to be there in person. And making sure that as many resources were available to us as possible. So a big shout out to them for, A, just having the game happen and doing it safely. And then making sure that we could do as much as we possibly could without being there. And then, of course, we're all looking forward to 2022 and we can actually roll back down to Alabama and and hang out and see people in person.
0: Well, coming into this, EJ, I I really wanted to focus on what some of the top needs were for the Seahawks. And I figured we'd start with offense because I... We'll have a chance to talk hopefully here throughout the off season leading up to the draft, but really with the the focus on offense and particularly on offensive line, because you know, when I go back and I think about that that last game against the Rams and where the Seahawks go out at home in the playoffs, it really was the offensive line that I, I thought if they just had a couple other guys in the middle there, whether it's at center and Ethan Posick, he's gonna be a free agent, you know, they're they're gonna be losing their left guard, Mikey Potty, probably to retirement. or it, it looks like he's at the end of his career. And so those are really the two places where I could see an upgrade. Dwayne Brown, obviously, 35 years old, going to be 36 once this season starts. And I think back to Walter Jones. He, he was 36 when he decided to hang it up for the Seahawks. So Brown's getting there. So I, I wanted to start with offensive line. And I've started to hear people talk about how this offensive line class is a solid offensive line class, and and I'm curious is this because when I hear that I I have to think okay is it you know is it just top heavy where they have four or five guys that you know are future all pro type players or is this something where there's depth kind of throughout the draft and what's your opinion on that.
1: I think it's a really strong offensive line class to start off, and you're asking all the right questions. When people say it's good or it's solid, what does that really mean? Is there depth in the middle, or there are no stars, or there are only stars? This one has both. It's not quite as top heavy at tackle as it was last year. At four tackles, really at the top of last year's draft, who all performed really pretty well. Some of them exceptionally well. Tristan Wirfs, in particular, was one of the best tackles in the nfl as a rookie which is amazing but there are talented tackles at the top and there's depth in the tackle class and that's always a good thing just for the nfl in general because a lack of quality tackle play tends to get quarterbacks killed and that's not good for the nfl so uh, there's always a dearth of quality tackles lots of teams need them and there's a decent supply there's going to be i think uh, daniel jeremiah posted about a month ago there's going to be a bazillion tackles drafted in the first two rounds And he's not wrong. There's probably going to be eight or ten offensive tackles throughout the first two rounds that are all going to be guys that can plug and play from day one, depending on which team situation they're in. So that's really good news. And then the interior offensive line class, which is something you were really focusing on with the Hawks, center and guard, is really good. And I wasn't quite sure about that depth. I knew some of those players. But going in and doing the, the study for the Senior Bowl, a lot of the guys that showed up there and some of the guys that showed out there really make me feel good about that middle depth of guard and center. And there's a bunch of guys that play both and they looked really strong in Mobile. They had a great performance.
0: Well, before we get there, let's start off with a guy who uh, the Seahawks may not even be able to get him. He he may not drop as far down into the second round, but you never know what John Schneider, if he's going to find a way to either trade up early in the second or maybe even get back into the first somehow with whatever move he decides to make. So I'm kind of curious about Dylan Raddins out of North Dakota State, because he's a guy who's he's projected to be a, a tackle at the pro level. But again, I wonder about Dwayne Brown and is is Raddins the type of guy who could come in and maybe play guard and then kick out to left tackle? Perhaps if if Brown decides to retire, I, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on on Radins, I like Radins a lot. So Dylan Radins, North Dakota State. He's Trey Lance's
1: left tackle. Trey Lance is a quarterback that's going to be drafted up high this year as well. Radins is a really interesting guy because he's not huge. Like he's quite tall, but he's just about three hundred pounds. He's extremely athletic, moves well in space, can really readjust in terms of the pass set, moves his feet very well, athletic with his hands handling twists, understands leverage, but he also uses that uh, or used it, I should say, at North Dakota State to get outside on runs and hit targets in space. And it's always cool to see tackles that can do that. And Radden's is absolutely a guy that can go out, pick off a linebacker and seal an edge. So they had to move all over at the Senior Bowl. My theory with tackles is you always start them at tackle and if they can't move, if they can't play tackle, then you slide them inside to guard. Mm -hmm. You don't probably do it the other way um, because you're taking a larger amount of space that they have to control at tackle. And if they're not athletic or quick enough to do that, then you slide them into the phone booth, beef them up a little bit and they can play at guard in a much smaller space so radden's played tackle guard and center they actually moved him to center on the last day which is great for his versatility but i would absolutely draft him as a tackle i think he'll probably get drafted in the first round he moves extremely well he has a surprising amount of strength he's not the strongest tackle but for a guy that looks like kind of a beefed up tight end he manages to control people with strength and again when you combine that with movement skills a pretty rare player. Uh, There's a player that he reminds me of quite a bit, and I've had some pushback on this. I try not to do pro comparisons because I think they're really fraught, but he reminds me a lot of Charles Leno. And now a lot of people say, oh, Charles Leno, come on. But Charles Leno is a mid-tier, low-priced left tackle who is pretty darn effective and run blocks better than a lot of people think. And he is was the same coming out of Boise State. He was tall. He was athletic. He wasn't thoroughly filled out. So, But I think Radden's looks more like the pro Charles Leno um, and not necessarily the college Charles Leno. And that's not a bad thing. If you can get a guy who's going to play mid-tier, 15th, 16th in the league as a tackle, that's a guy that's going to play on your line for a long time. So I like Dylan Radden's. I think he's a great player. He's got
0: versatility. You can kick him inside. But he's got a lot of traits. I feel pretty confident that we'll see Brandon Shell at right tackle again next season, but he may not be the long-term option, and maybe they'll want to find a guy who can come in and compete there with the idea of eventually moving over to the left side. But I think there are bigger needs, and so I want to focus more on the interior, and I want to focus on one of my favorite guys coming out of the Senior Bowl coming up next. EJ Snyder, co-creator of bootleg football. Be sure and follow him on Twitter at the draftsman FB joining us and talking offensive line as we're moving toward the interior EJ. There's one guy in particular that jumped out at me at the senior bowl and that's Quinn Minerts. And part of it is because he is nicknamed the gut and I like an offensive lineman who can walk around, you know, much like Zeke Elliott, you know, showing off his abs. Miners just walks around with his gut hanging out.
1: Yeah, no, he has an uh, what you would refer to in the business as an offensive lineman aesthetic. He is not afraid. He's got long hair. He's got a nice round gut. He wears a half shirt. And this is a guy that came from Division Three, Wisconsin Whitewater, he was a, not a late ad to the senior bowl, but he was a later ad. He was definitely an ad down the way. And Jim Nagy and his staff do a tremendous job acting just like an NFL front office, digging through the weeds and finding players. And they found minors. And he came into the senior bowl. And with small school guys, it's always about how will they fare against guys from power five schools, from the top schools in the country, defenders who are coming from places like Alabama, and Florida, and Notre Dame. And Minert wrecked people all week. He absolutely likes to get people down. You can tell he has a wrestling background. He very much likes contact. He loves to hit. And he will drop that gut right on top of you if he can. And he did very often during the Senior Bowl. Daniel Jeremiah and the NFL.com crew were raving about this guy DJ famously wore a Wisconsin Whitewater t-shirt on day two because he was such a fan of miners. And he plays with a nasty attitude. He plays with a ton of power and he is looking. He is a hunter on the offensive line. And he absolutely raised his stock. You think about guys like Ali Marpet, Ben Barch from last year, who are small school guys who raised their profile during the senior bowl. That's minors. He had a star turn
0: on the interior offensive line at the senior bowl. Well, one of the things that's kind of surprising about him, too, is that Wisconsin Whitewater season was canceled because of COVID. So he hasn't been playing competitive football. And here he is showing up against the best from some of these colleges. Absolutely. And he didn't just show up. It's not like. One of those guys that you kind of
1: pull out of the weeds and say, well, he held his own. He was sort of under the radar, but he, you know, it looks like we could develop. No, Miners came out and flattened guys left and right. He pushed guys four and five yards off the ball on run plays, uh, held up in pass protection, had some really nice redirections and uh, things you want to see from core strength on those interior line positions where he really just bowed up and bucked up and then turned people over. He had a tremendous week. He opened my eyes for sure. He was a fun player to watch. Like you said, he is out there letting it all hang out uh, on the field and just a player you can really get behind because he is fully embraced. This is not a guy that wants
0: to transition to tight end. He loves it where he's at, and he's really good at it. Well, moving on, I, a couple other guys that I see as you know, potential guard, potential center, and you can correct me if any of these guys you know don't quite fit or or maybe fit better than the other, but. David Moore from Grambling State. You got him. He's coming out of the FCS. And again, I, I like these guys that come up from the lower level, but b- can be competitive with the the FBS players. And then Trey Smith as a potential guy who w- would be a guard and obviously a big school like Tennessee.
1: Yeah, Trey Smith isn't getting talked about enough. I'll just say it right out. There was some buzz around him. And for some reason, it just kind of died down a little bit. But Trey Smith didn't get any worse. He is a fantastic football player, more of a straight guard, has some positional flexibility to flex inside, but I really think the NFL thinks he is a guard through and through, not a tackle convert to guard, not a guard that might switch to center. Trey Smith is a guard, and he's damn good at it, and he is a guy that would fit very well with Seattle's power running game. This is a player that can move people in the run game, especially in double teams, but even singled up on some of those three hundred and thirty pound mammoths, he's going to face from interior defensive linemen around the league. Trey Smith is a really quality football player,
0: and for some reason, he just doesn't really have that buzz going right now. But do not forget about him. How is his athleticism, though? Because I, I am a little bit curious with this. Which of the offensive coordinators they've they've gone with big guys? And Smith is 6'6", 330 pounds. So I feel like in in that role, you know, it kind of fits along with Mikey Potty and uh, Damian Lewis, but if they're going for more athletic guys, is he going to be a type of guy who could also perform in, in a different kind of system?
1: Absolutely. If you're going to switch to outside zone and you need him to make more reach blocks, I think he can not only because of his athleticism, but also his length. He's like you say, six, he's six, he's got a huge wingspan. This is a big dude that can move. So I think he's got scheme flexibility And we'll have to see. This is going to be one of the fascinating things about draft season this year is no combine, uh, very limited pro days. So in terms of trusting measurements and getting to see all the measurements on all the guys, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, Well, not a little bit different. It's going to be a lot different, very different draft season. Be interesting to see, you know, you're going to be looking at the 20-yard shuttle. You're going to be looking at the three cone for guys like Trey Smith. How quickly can they redirect that 330 pounds, get around Get up, get down. But he's not a bad athlete. This is not a guy that runs with his feet in concrete blocks. He's He moves tremendously well for a guy that's that big. It's just how much they think he can flex. But again, it's not just the speed. It's can he reach that guy? And when you're 6'6", six, six and your arms stick out that far, and you're as strong as Trey Smith is, you, you can make those things um, in a couple different ways. But he's a very good athlete at his
0: size. Okay, well, I can judge your excitement then about Trey Smith because we skipped right over David Moore. I like Moore. And Moore's the Seahawks g- already have one David Moore on the team. So, you know, it, are they going to go offensive line now?
1: Let's, let's not be confusing and have two David Moores. No, uh, David Moore from Grambling is a guy that uh, spent some time at center, a bunch of time at center at the Senior Bowl. And this guy is a bowling ball. He is built round and he is exceptionally strong. He was digging guys out from center which, if anybody's ever played center, is very tough to do because you've got your snapping hand. The DT is almost always going to shade to your snap hand and that do what's called attack your snap hand, right? Because that's that hand's going to be back between your legs. You've got to bring it back up. You're at a disadvantage, and then you're going to have to try and move them up and out. Moore seemed to transition very smoothly to center and showed great power, both guard and center. Again, coming from a school like Grambling, not as high a profile. He was digging out much larger, highly regarded players, with regularity it wasn't one or two reps he did it in one-on-ones he did it in the seven on nines he showed out again raising his profile at the senior bowl that's you know that's all you can ask from small school guys is they come onto that big stage the game doesn't look too big for them and they perform against top end talents and david moore did that at a couple of spots and i think opened some people's eyes because he had played guard mostly in college and he looked very very comfortable at center
0: well ej i i I'm an Oklahoma fan uh, because I I went to grad school there and the Seahawks have yet to draft a player from Oklahoma in, gosh, in at least going back 10 years. Could Creed Humphrey be the guy at center for Seattle?
1: Well, Seattle has shown in the past that they're not afraid to spend a high round pick on a center. (laughs) They would eventually trade him away, but they've done it in the past. They realize that that's an important position that holds together the offensive line. There's a reason they call it the pivot. And if you were going to do that, Creed Humphrey is a player that I would feel really comfortable spending a high pick. Um, Certainly top of the second if you can get him. Creed Humphrey is a dog. He is a fifth-year player out of Oklahoma. He's been there for six years. It seems like he's been around forever. (laughs) He's blocked for all of the Oklahoma quarterbacks that have gone on to the pros uh, in recent years. And he is a man. He got his lunch eaten a little bit on the first day, which is not uncommon for players at the senior bowl. You're adjusting to new line mates, new cadences in a center's case, new quarterback behind you. There's an adjustment period. And sometimes the first day looks a little rough. Creed looked a little bit shaky on the first day, did what guys that I'm just going to call him a pro because he's been playing pro-level football in college for a couple of years now at a big program. He did what pros do. He stabilized and looked rock solid for the rest of the time. Looked just like you expect a guy like Creed Humphrey to look. He's very powerful. He's agile. He is a top flight center. If he is not the top center, that would be Landon Dickerson, most likely out of Alabama. Landon Dickerson injured at the end of the season, so isn't going to be coming in at the end of training camp at full strength. So a guy like Creed Humphrey has the easy chance to ascend as a top center. And again, just with positional value, probably not going to go in the first round. If he does, it would be the very tail end of the first round. So could be sitting there for the Seahawks in the second. And I would not um, shy them away from doing that at all. He's got a ton of experience. He plays extremely physical football and he looks like one of those guys that you're going to plug in. He's going to be there for seven or eight years, anchoring the center of your line, playing at an extremely high level from day one.
0: So any other guard center type players that stood out to you from the senior bowl that uh, you would potentially put on the Seahawks radar?
1: Ben Cleveland from Georgia is an absolute unit. He is so big and strong. He looks like he was uh, the mountain from Game of Thrones kid. He is big and cut and strong and plays in that strong Georgia run game. Uh, obviously we know all the running backs that have come out of Georgia over time. Ben Cleveland is an heir to that legacy and and clearing the way for those guys. Certainly somebody I could see, uh, he had, had himself a good senior bowl. And then on the center front, Drake Jackson from Kentucky is another guy that's got a ton of SEC experience and a stat came out this week after the senior bowl that just sort of blew my mind. Drake Jackson had 1,189 pass blocking protection snaps at Kentucky. So almost 1,200 pass blocking That's snaps. That's right. I saw that. One sack. one sack. He gave right? up <laughs> one sack in 1,200 pass blocking attempts. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to go dig people out in the running game. That just means he is fantastic and somewhat underrated in pass protection. If You can be in a top conference and face that many top, Offensive linemen, pass rushers, blitzing linebackers, and give up one sack. That's a guy that you could go get in the middle rounds that would have some value. Whether or not he starts for you right away, that's a player that could be a starter in the NFL eventually.
0: Anybody else uh, on the offensive line you want to hit on? Uh, I think that's
1: probably if we're talking about interior offensive line, Robert Jones from Middle Tennessee State was a guy that, again, was a little bit more like the guy I was talking about earlier that held his own from a smaller school. Didn't really show out and blow people off the ball like Minerts or more, but held up just fine and is going to be available later down because his draft profile is really low, and he's a very solid plug-and-play player. Is he a guy that you want to replace a top-end starter like Mikey Potty with? Maybe not, but a guy that you could get in the fourth maybe Hmm. that could come in, be very valuable depth and move into a starting position. He looked like he was showing some of that potential, some of that ability, depending on your likes and dislikes about offensive linemen in terms of dimensions and movement skills. uh, Robert Jones is a guy that you might look at.
0: Definitely appreciate all those options. EJ, a lot of offensive linemen to look at just from the senior bowl alone. It'll give us some names to watch when the pro day workouts start coming out. We'll see what they do with the combine And hopefully drafting Damian Lewis last season represents a shift in Seattle's ability to draft offensive linemen because they had not been very successful up until that point. He's E.J. Snyder, co-creator of Bootleg Football, senior draft analyst at Windy City Gridiron and the co-host of the Bears Over Beers podcast. We covered the offensive line, but there is still more to talk about on offense. With a new offensive coordinator, the Seahawks may need to draft a tight end. They generally take at least one wide receiver. 2012 and 2018 were the only two years that they didn't draft a receiver. And Chris Carson is about to become a free agent. So there's lots more to talk about with EJ. Look for a second show coming up with him later this week. And be sure and check out bootleg football. Follow him on Twitter at the Draftsman FB. And be sure you're following this podcast. So that way you'll see this next show with EJ coming up in the next few days. So until then, go Hawks.